Welcome to your daily affirmations. Repeat after me, working with others is easier than ever. I strive for perfect collaboration. Our teamwork keeps getting better. Yeah, affirmations are great, but Monday.com can really get you the teamwork you desire. Work together easily and share files, updates, data, and just about anything you want all in one platform. Affirm yes to start. Or tap the banner to go to Monday.com. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, everybody. This is Marshall Poe. I'm the editor of the New Books Network. And I'd like to tell you that we have a new and improved website. It has two new features that we think you'll love. One of them is a vastly improved search engine so that when you type in keywords, you'll get a bunch of episodes really quick. The other is the ability to create a listener account. And in that listener account, you can save episodes for later listening. So you can create a kind of listening list. We think these features are neat and we think you'll enjoy them. Please visit the site today. Welcome to the New Books Network. Welcome to the MBN Entrepreneurship and Leadership Channel. As well as new content, we are making available selected podcasts recorded by our hosts prior to joining the MBN family. This is one of them, and so this podcast may refer to itself with a different name and identity. Enjoy the show. The center of innovation is here. And, you know, this is part of the message of Project Cashmere, of this whole podcast, that there's something happening here which is beyond just good value for money. Like I said, having the vision is great, but the key is these concrete initiatives that drive it at the ground level. I think Paul and those people who are really, they do extremely well with very limited resources and we can take advantage of the really low costs here. You know, Poland is the land of opportunity, and I, and I like to say the East is the new West because you always used to go West in history to find more adventure and danger and prove yourself. There are some good things beginning to happen here in Krakow, but we've got a very long way to go. Thanks very much for joining us today, Richard. I just wonder if you could introduce yourself to the listeners. My name is Richard Lucas. I'm British and went to Cambridge between 1985 and 1988 reading economics. In 1991, I moved to Poland teaching in a startup business school and after a few weeks went into business with one of my students who was setting up a plastic card and barcode company. During the 1990s, I ran the barcode systems company, growing it into one of the largest companies of its type in Poland, then moved into recycling some of the money I made in that into investing in a variety of different businesses, some of which have been successful, others very much not so. The consequences of that are that I now employ around 360 people in five businesses. So obviously a successful and accomplished entrepreneur, why do it? What are the benefits? What are the lifestyle considerations other than the potential to earn a lot of money? I always thought I wanted to be a businessman. When I was a child at prep school in Oxford, I was buying sweets from a local sweet shop and then selling them to the boarders at New College Choir School who weren't allowed off the premises and therefore weren't able to have access to to sweet shops. 
In some ways, no. I think that gave me a very misleading idea of what business was all about. I thought it was an easy way of getting more money than a normal job. Over the years, when I was here as a student, I used to buy bicycles from graduating students cheap at the end of the summer and sell them back to freshers in the autumn, having paid someone to do them up over the summer holidays. And that didn't work particularly well for various reasons. But I had that idea I wanted to go into business. That sort of came from within. I remember going to talks by business people when I was at public school, which was a very rare thing. There wasn't much exposure to the world of business and hearing them talk about practical problems. For example, one of them said to a group of 14, 15-year-olds at Winchester College, one of the top public schools, a private schools in Britain, and said, you guys go to one of the top public schools. I imagine that you expect to be managers when you move into the world of work, even if you don't know what you're going to do. And there were 40 or 50 of us all nodding to ourselves. So imagine you're in charge of a, an ice cream factory, a few frowns, as we felt patronized that for sure we were going to do something more important than ice cream. And things are going well. You're in a big production area. There's 400 liters of frozen ice cream squirting along a big steel pipe next to you. It's all frosted and cold. And the factory is working flat out. You're doing very well. And suddenly there's a big bang. And and frozen ice cream starts spraying out of a, a seam in the pipe that, that has split open. You're in charge. What are you going to do? And there was a long silence. And he suddenly said, well, if you wait too long, you're going to drown in frozen ice cream. And that appealed to me, the idea that I wasn't just an academic guy thinking about theoretical problems, but having to deal with practical real world problems. So the idea of going into business really came from very early on in my life, I think. So you're suggesting then that entrepreneurs are born rather than bred? No, I don't think I don't think that's true. I think that an entrepreneurial way of thinking is something that can be learnt. It's a, a kind of character issue that people, are, to some extent, are a product of nature, to some extent, are a product of nurture. And if people want to take more responsibility for their lives and have more control over what they do, then they can start looking out for the characteristics of an entrepreneur and set about learning them. I think it's possible to be a highly entrepreneurial civil servant, an entrepreneurial university employee and an entrepreneurial employee of a large organization, a large company, or go out and do it on your own. So I wouldn't say that it is always the case that you have to be someone like me to go into business. What about some of the downsides? When do you feel that you may have regretted the idea of becoming an entrepreneur? Of course, everyone's going to talk about the, the long hours and the stress and the the fear of failure. I think the process of setting up a business and doing it yourself teaches you a lot of things about yourself. Some of them may be things that you didn't want to know when you started. It teaches you about your, your ethical framework. You may have to take decisions that you're not prepared for at an early age, such as hiring people, firing people, having to sack people is something that most people don't imagine. They imagine the successful scenario, but they don't think about what happens when something goes wrong, what happens when one of your employees makes a racist remark or steals something or uses company property for inappropriate purposes, or you find pornography on a company computer and you're in charge. So what do you have to do? There's that sense that these responsibilities that you thought it was going to be about making sales presentations and doing cool projects, but the, the human side of being responsible for an organization isn't often 
the thing that attracts people into self-employment and going into business on their own, and it's going to come and get you very early on. I wouldn't necessarily say that's a downside, though. It's a consequence, and for some people it's a, it's a challenge that they, they understand it, they come to terms with it, they take it on, and ultimately they like it. So it's a feature rather than a downside. I think the, the financial risk and the impact on people's personal lives and their relationships can be, can be a downside because it's often said that in a relationship, if someone, one of the people in the relationship becomes successful, that puts a big strain on the friendship, on the relationship. And certainly whether the business succeeds or fails, people who go out alone, set up a business, become a bit different from their friends. A nice example is your attitude to annual holidays. Most people don't think they get enough holiday. Entrepreneurs tend to think it's crazy that you pay people a yearly salary, but you only get them for 10 and a half months or 10 months after sickness and holiday. And you, you, you begin to see things from a slightly different, different perspective. But it, I wouldn't, I would say it's, it's different rather than better or worse. Obviously, if you have a business that's failed, as I have, you experience very high levels of stress. Everyone hates you. Your bank hates you. Your suppliers hate you because they're not being paid. Your employees hate you because they're losing their jobs or they're not being paid. The government hates you because they're not getting their taxes. The national insurance hate you because they're not getting their nicks. The customers hate you. You quite often have lost in much more in terms of money and time than anyone else put together but you're seen to be the person responsible so business failure is a very developing experience so you have the feeling that if you've been through that you can deal with many tough things that other people can't deal with other downsides i think it depends how you choose to live your life if people are very obsessed by business they're just interested in money and making more and more money they can be very busy and a lot of people might not choose to do that but ultimately I'm a liberal. If they choose to live their life like that, then that's that's okay. So I, I wouldn't be too judgmental. Some people choose to work hard. Other people choose to work less. Me and one of my American business partners probably put in fewer hours than many people who have full-time jobs. I work a bit at home, a bit early in the morning, a bit in the evening, but I definitely spend less hours in the office than many people. And if I spend more hours in the office, I might be richer, but on the other hand, I might be poorer. I don't know. You touched on a few of the skills there to succeed as an entrepreneur. I mean, could you sort of run through a catalogue? Is there a common list of skills that are required to make it on your own? Well, I'll try. This will be a very personal account. Clearly, self-confidence and sales skills are vital for at least one person in the team. Very often, if it's a small business or a startup, the guy or the woman who's leading it will have to have a lot of different skills that in the long run there will be wanting to hand on to other people. So you might be a brilliant programmer, but know that you don't have the character to be a salesperson and the skill there of being self-aware, of realizing that you need someone else to fill that gap in your team is probably fundamental. If you, if you believe that you can do everything when you can't, that's a very dangerous thing. On the other hand, the self-confidence to believe, well, I know nothing about sales, but surely if I can get a degree at Cambridge, I can learn how to do sales because salespeople aren't that smart necessarily is, is a different way of looking at the same problem. Either you have to fix it yourself or find another way around, around that problem. 
internal motivation i think is is absolutely essential that if you don't care and you want to coast along clearly this isn't the life for you so you, that it's not a skill but a, a characteristic that if you're not ready to pick up the phone and call a complete stranger because you know that whatever your business is doing is so valuable to that stranger that it's worth interrupting them then that's a bad sign if you feel more cautious well i'd be a bit shy to do that i might send them a letter do some junk mail do an email campaign run a tv advert for me it's a very very good test of whether someone suitable to work in one of my organizations is do they have enough self confidence to to call a stranger and it's a very big differentiator because a lot of very smart people just can't imagine doing that they're talented but they don't actually believe in their right to do that so self confidence motivation these are characteristic skills i'm not sure you need to have any special skills at all you can always find someone who's got the skills once you're over that threshold of getting started it is very difficult at the beginning of a business to attract skilled people recruiting talented people to work in your business is much easier for Unilever or McKinsey or Bain than for Richard's latest weird adventure you know is is clearly a problem and a challenge for the startup entrepreneur people skills i think people skills are much more important than i ever thought they were the the ability to manage people to motivate them to make sure that they work hard because they want to rather than because you're forcing them means of identifying people who are better than average people who will contribute more than average who are who have better interpersonal skills it's easy enough to say these things are important and many companies and organizations say that they want nice friendly hard working well motivated people to work in their organization making it happen it is all to do with the the leadership skills and the character of the people doing the re- recruitment so i would say that probably rather few entrepreneurs when they're starting up realize just how important that is and it is absolutely vital other things on the list of skills i'm very bad at math uh, i got i did math a level and managed to pass the statistics course in in economics here but i felt that and i feel to this day that my excel skills are lamentable i found it very hard to make projections and i know a number of other successful entrepreneurs who are equally bad at the the business plan which was always thought to be the most important element of going into business business instinct i think is very important the the sense of being able to anticipate what other people want sometimes even before they do so looking at a tesco car park and thinking those people all need x they don't realize they do but you're thinking yeah they they would be really happy if they came back to a beautifully clean car or whatever whatever it is some some little insight that they haven't even thought about it but you can spot it before them I'm sure the list could go on and on those are the ones that spring to mind. A question we often get asked by the the, the 21-year-old undergraduate just completing their first degree is do I set up a business now without a range of relevant skills and experience or shall I postpone it for a few years and do something else? What advice can you give on whether to do it now or later and if later what should they be doing in the meantime? 
I don't know about you, but I'm very busy and I don't have a lot of time to cook. That's why I subscribe to Factor. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. These are two-minute meals. Factor meals are ready to eat in heat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup needed. They're flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. Sign up and save. We've done the math, and this is important. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash nbn50 and use code nbn50 to get 50% off. That's code nbn50 at factormeals.com slash nbn50 to get 50% off. I don't think you can generalize. I think it depends on the individual person who was asking that question. If someone asked me, should I go into business now? I'd say, what have you done already? What's your track record like? And if they say, well, you know, I, I had a little business selling candy floss on the beach in Spain, or they say, well, I worked in my dad's glass house and I used to go out and sell geraniums for people or they've got the some sense that they've got some kind of track record not necessarily a technical business skill but being responsible for something if they've done anything that involved selling yeah I used to knock on doors and sell double glazing or I used to take punts down the river and my job was to get people out of the hotels and down to the down to the river someone who's got business experience, not necessarily academic experience or technical experience, but some sense of taking responsibility for something and making it happen. That person is quite unlikely that they would not have a clue about how to go about it. But if they've never done anything, they've come from a comfortable middle class background, they spent their school holidays going on expensive holidays with their parents, and life to some extent has been quite easy Maybe, yes, but then you know, what is the business idea? Should they go into business? Well, do you have an idea? Simple question. Do you? No, but I would like to go into business. I would say, well, that person needs to prioritize and focus. And if, the, if I say, well, what sort of business would you like to do? If they said, I want to build jet engines, you'd say, well, you're completely great. You wouldn't say, you said, well, have you thought about the capital, the capital you'll require to do that? Are they talking sense? If they say, well, I like the idea of a different type of tobacconist that's run in a different way and they've got some insight and you'd ask a few questions and does it basically make sense and then I might well advise someone who's got a retailing idea to work in a retailer of that type just behind the counter for three months. I live in Poland in Eastern Europe and many of the entrepreneurs of the first generation of Poles who went into business who didn't come out of the communist system uh, who had money and experience for other reasons but people had worked in the west in in pubs and clubs and shops and restaurants and they came back with the knowledge of that business having worked in that area and it gave them a tremendous advantage because they'd seen a badly run british pub and they made it easier to set up a good polish pub because they'd seen how not to do it in someone else's organization However, if someone says, you know, I don't have any ideas, but I like the idea of being self-employed, having my own business, but I don't have any ideas what to do yet, then I think a, a standard career choice like 
investment banking, business consulting, or maybe accountancy. I would have loved to have been an accountant. I never, I'm not going to do it now, which makes it a mean, I, I, I can bear the thought of having to study for two years and learn the skills of accountancy, but I wish I'd done it in the past, although there was never a time in my life when I had that, that time spare. If you really want to go into business, but you don't know what to do, then I think accountancy is a very useful skill because it'll give you tremendous advantages later when it comes to preparing funding applications or business plans or doing due diligence or looking to take companies over. So the answer is specific to the person. Have they a business idea? Have they business experience? Have they some way of persuading you or a stranger that they've got a good idea? And I would need to say it's a case-by-case thing rather than a generalization. What about actually going to join a small SME and working for an entrepreneur for a couple of years? Well, we have a very active internship program, and I, certainly that's not that's a, an intermediate step. It's not as big a choice as getting a full time job in a company. That if you have the opportunity to do a three a three month internship, either as part of your studies or during the vacation, that gives you an insight into that business without having it on your CV as a major major thing, you have to be careful which company you go and do an internship for because they vary. It would have to be a good internship to be worth it. But if the potential upside of going and working for a small business is obviously that if you're there at the start and it does very well, you're likely to be close to the key decision makers. They'll know you, they'll trust you, and if you're going to work really hard, they will appreciate you. Obviously, there are many reasons why a small business doesn't succeed other than how hard the people work. It could be competitor response. It could be you launch a great alternative shampoo to Unilever and Unilever or Procter & Gamble wake up one fine day and squash you comprehensively, not unethically, but they launch competitive products and their budgets and their resources are so great you never had a chance with hindsight. And you could have sacrificed 18 or 24 months of your life for a project that doesn't succeed So you have to research the company quite well, and that applies to people who are job hunting for conventional jobs or going into small business. Always look at the financial health of the person you're you're trying to get a job with. Are they growing? Are they in competitive markets? Do they have a strong position? Because to go and work in the American automotive industry right now would be, from my perspective, insane. Clearly, they're in deep trouble. They're going to be shrinking. The story of the next 10 years is going to be downsizing, offshoring, huge struggles to cut corporate debt levels and whether it's a, a monster company or a very small one if they're in a healthy growing market you're going to, you're more likely to be successful simply by getting on getting on board a train that's heading in a positive direction so small company check it out very carefully get to know the key decision makers because if it's a startup and it has or it's only been going for a year or two there's no evidence that the people leading that company are really good people. If a business has been around for 30 or 40 or 50 years or even 10 years, they must be doing something right and they can't be completely bad people. Otherwise, they'd probably be out of business. The number of companies run by crooks and idiots that are successful in the long run is not that large. Going to a very small business and the guy might be dishonest or he might be thoroughly incompetent or unethical and you need to do your personal due diligence very carefully. I would say that's true of larger companies as well, but it's particularly important to small companies. 
I would say. So your advice then is to try and seek out a bit of experience with a small, uh, middle-sized enterprise. Speaking as a manager of one yourself, how would students actually contact people like you? Um, do you receive speculative applications? What advice can you give to someone trying to seek out an, an SME to join? Well, of course, there are very many, many more SMEs than, I don't know, VLEs, where those are very large enterprises. So I would say that you need to know what you're looking for because you know, clearly there are probably 100,000 hairdressers in the UK. And if you had the idea of setting up a hairdressing chain, for example, then clearly one that was close, that was well run, that, that suited other things in your life. But I'm not sure that's a very productive way of looking at it. Most small companies have websites these days. So check out their websites. Very often there's a contact us procedure even if there are no jobs advertised, if you think you can do something useful for that company, then it can be, depending on what job you want to do, it can be a good idea to either contact them directly. Sometimes you just, if you want to work in sales and marketing, call up and speak to the sales department, say to whoever you get put through to, you're wondering what sort of jobs they have for salespeople or what's the application process very likely in a small business you'll get put through to someone senior quite quickly you may not be if if you ask your questions in the right way if it's technical job like you're a software guy or a graphic designer or a textile designer you've got some specific skill you should be able to get through to the production or head of that department quite easily just with a with a phone call emailing in cvs it can work very well. I see all the CVs that arrive in the company I run. We have, we run a, a web-based application process so the different managers can all see all the CVs that come in. And I think that well-run small businesses are aware of the importance of being open to new talent. And I, I don't know whether the supply and demand balance in Britain is as it is in Poland these days. Certainly, we compete very hard for good people now. There are a lot of jobs around, so there's a lot of competition for the talented people, and companies are trying harder than they used to. They don't just sit there and wait, which I suspect makes it more like the West than less like the West. In order to get in, I think you have to have a sales strategy, even if you're not a salesperson. So you have to think what have I got that other candidates don't have or what could I have that they might be interested what sort of problems might they have that I could solve this is again thinking a bit like an entrepreneur you're, you're trying to position yourself to be a bit different a bit better but somewhat unique compared to the other candidates and that's not an easy thing to do when you're 22 years old and you haven't had a lot of experience one thing that I think could be, a very, if you knew the sector, you knew you wanted to work in, I don't know, industrial adhesives or fashion design or public relations, would be to use the web 2.0 networking things like, for example, in, in an international one, it's called LinkedIn, where you can very quickly identify executives in companies who are working the sort of companies you want to work for maybe Facebook, maybe MySpace. I don't know what the, there are a number of these different networks now, but you would be able to 
quickly identify some people within those organizations and just enter into a dialogue. That's what those organizations are for. Obviously, the least good way to do it is, I'm looking for a job, can you help me? But if you saw, for example, that some executive from JP Morgan had given a talk about venture capital to some networking event in Silicon Valley that you found on the internet, you could then send that guy a note saying, I looked at your presentation and I wondered whether you thought of X or Y. Just get into a dialogue. Because obviously, once you've identified the person in that organization and got them somehow on your side, if you then write to the HR department of that little investment bank and say, so-and-so, your your partner on the West Coast of America recommended that I contact you, you've, you've differentiated yourself. I think making contact with the decision makers by whatever way you can, presenting them with a persuasive story about how you could add value to their organization, even if it's just promise and commitment, you say, look, I am going to work very hard. I'm really interested in what you do, and I I may not know very much, but I'm going to be highly committed. The number of people who say that to me isn't that large, and I interview a lot of people. I think there's a certainly was in the UK a somewhat pervasive cultural thing that the coolest thing is to succeed without trying very hard effortless success is a very powerful sort of cultural good and that's not what entrepreneurs are looking for they're looking for people who are ready to we could say get their hands dirty work hard get up early in the morning drive 300 miles with the with the boss of the company help him build a stand at a trade fair and it's tough it's not an easy cushy life but if people want to achieve things they have to be ready to take the the rough the smooth and if they if you can be persuaded that that person's got that that inner that inner grit that inner commitment then then it will come across in the phone conversation and the interview but you obviously you have to make the effort to identify the decision makers in that organization and i would generally recommend a phone call followed by an email if you've really identified that's an organization you want to work for because you're already streets ahead if you've had the self-confidence to dial the production director or the managing director and say yeah i was on your website i really like what you do and i was wondering what the recruitment process is you've put yourself ahead you've shown you're much more self-confident than the average job seeker and self-confidence is what everyone's looking for cambridge students are now very fortunate in the amount of resources, departments and experts they can call on for help. There's the Student Society, Cambridge University Entrepreneurs, Centre for Entrepreneurial Learning, Enterprise at Cambridge and so on. So there are plenty of resources to help a budding entrepreneur here at Cambridge. But what advice would you give someone before taking the leap? What should they be doing? I think realising that the most important skill in or characteristic for an entrepreneur isn't the idea but the execution of the idea that very often people have a bright idea one day and they sit there electrified with their great idea and spend a lot of time worrying about how to protect it and not telling people because they're scared someone will copy them without realizing that even the best idea is absolutely worthless without very good execution so without putting it into practice so that would be one piece of advice think much more about how you're actually going to do it than how great my idea is one thing that i routinely do before going into a new business is to try to buy the product that i want to sell or 
try and buy the service I want to sell, just to put myself in the... It's obviously difficult if you want to sell in a automation technology to automotive manufacturers because it's not that easy to go out and buy automation systems if you're not an automotive manufacturer. You know, clearly, that is not always the case. You can do that. But, for example, if you want to sell translation services, then maybe you know someone who might want to buy them perhaps in your personal network or family or friends there's someone who works in a company say in a legal office that might need a contract translating from time to time you call them up go and see them and say look i'm thinking about setting up a translation company it'd be really valuable for me to see what the if you need a translation what would your buying process be like so there's a guy would say well i'd go on the internet and say well let's do that and i'd send in an inquiry well let's do that and see the quality because one of the problems is quite often there's a big gap between how you imagine things are and how they really are and you, know, you may think that you've got better cheaper translations than your competitors but what really matters is to have a friendly guy in a suit able to show up the next morning to tell you about the trying to build confidence and you think well how on earth am I going to have a friendly guy in a suit in Edinburgh when my office is in Cambridge and once you're thinking like that that's the right way to be thinking because you're beginning to identify the real problems. It isn't such a great idea to have a translation company. You know, it may be a great idea, it may be a bad idea. It's how well you organize it that makes a difference. So before taking the plunge, one is certainly to think about execution issues. And one good way of getting insight into execution issues is to put yourself in the position of a customer. Apart from that, and there are so many things you could say, but those are two of them. Be committed to your idea. If you're not sure about it, then maybe there are some halfway houses. Perhaps you can do it in a freelance way. Perhaps you can get a part-time job, an evening job doing work in the sort of organization you're thinking of setting up just to get a feel for what it's like. Information is always valuable. But at some stage, you do have to stop listening to other people and just... So I've done enough talking, enough thinking. Now, am I going to do it? Yes, no. And if the answer is no, that's fine. Sometimes the right thing to do is not to take the plunge until you are sure another idea will come along. But it's it's difficult to say. Well, thanks very much, Richard. You covered a lot of ground there. Very useful, I'm sure. One last thing. You better let us know your email address in case any students want to get in touch with you with any further questions. Google is always a good way to find me, Richard Lucas. Richard and Lucas together with something to do with Poland and business. But Richard Richard.lucas at richardlucas.com will reach me or richard.lucas at pmrcorporate.com. Thank you. Thank you for listening to another episode of Project Kashmir, brought to you by me, your host, Richard Lucas. If you enjoyed listening, check out additional podcasts on our webpage, projectcashmere.com, or on iTunes, where you can also subscribe so you never miss an episode, and also leave us a five-star review if you feel like it. We welcome feedback and suggestions of new interviewees, whether as comments on projectcashmere.com or via our page on Facebook. This podcast was produced by Adam Zuber. Thank you again for listening.
you know, vision is all great and well, but execution is actually the key. The actual process of meeting those people, working with them, is in itself a huge reward. Interaction between the university and the business high tech community is absolutely fundamental. Diversity creates a healthy ecosystem, and I think that I'm seeing more and more that diversity. It's not just about individuals, but about new individuals. It's about you know um, new initiatives. Sometimes they overlap with each other. Sometimes they might be cannibalizing each other. But the reality is that you want to have as many as possible because that accelerates the big picture. We're not going to have everyone in the world here, and in this connected world, we don't need everyone here. But but the you know the artists and the designers, the creators they're very much part of what we what we've got and what we need so if you're listening again somewhere else in the world and you feel you, you're looking for a place where your, your your creative juices will run then 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 this city is certainly a place where you can find yourself and I think you can make history in Poland I think you can be part of something much bigger than you could be a part of in the United States right now not just from a you know going out to San Francisco to make Silicon Valley richer but but making a new part of the world um, grow at a much faster rate be a much bigger part of that community and and making it wealthy not just for wealth's sake but for uh, a purpose which is to make that country's government stronger step into the world of power loyalty and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.